I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hello, and welcome to Automating Success Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Langton. I'm a serial entrepreneur and president of Langton Group, working towards uniting the landscaping industry and helping everyone to not only survive, but thrive during the upcoming automation revolution. Our goal with this show is to inspire all of our listeners to incorporate automation into their business and maximize the associated benefit for your business and employees by sharing experiences, insights, and amazing interviews with the best thought leaders in the industry. We will also be chronicling the growth of newest automation-focused startup venture, Automated Outdoor Solutions. Now let's get the show started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Automating Success Show. I'm your host, Joe Langton. Today, I have the uh, pleasure of speaking to Josh Ridnerf with um, Michigan State University. Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to Automating Success's audience and uh, maybe hit a little bit on, on, on how you and I are sitting together talking today. So. Sure. Sure. So my name is Josh uh, Reitner from uh, Michigan State University. Um, so we basically, my job right now at, at Michigan State is um, I'm an operations supervisor. So I take care of uh, a chunk of campus, basically. So there's three people in my area. Uh, my, my zone is around 300 acres that we take care of. And I supervise uh, peak season about 20 people to do all the maintenance work there. So that's mowing, uh, trimming, edging, litter, fertilization, all those kinds of things. Um, so we were, we've been experimenting with different robotic things. And um, you know, somebody from your group was looking at an automated mower that we had and then also approached us uh, because they had on their, their truck a uh, automated sprayer, like a line sprayer for fields and stuff like that. And so from there, you, I got an invitation from you to check out like this green zoning uh, you know, conference, uh, this online conference. And, and through that, we started working and, and we're in talks with um, making one of the first green zones in Michigan on campus at Michigan State. Which we're, which we're quite very excited to help you with. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, the, we'll, we'll kind of dive into that, I suppose here, you know, in a little bit, but uh, as anyone that listens to the show knows, you know, I always like to find out about, you know, the younger Josh, you know, what, what, what gets a guy like yourself interested in green zones and robotics. Um, and honestly, uh, you know, one of the things I love about this industry and when you're working in an emerging industry is all the new relationships you make. So first I, I want to do something I wouldn't normally do when I just meet you. I, I want to learn about the young Josh. So tell us about your childhood, um, and any values that, that maybe were instilled in you as a young man or young boy that turned you into the man you are today. Sure. So I was born in, in Iowa in a very small town, the same town that uh, John Wayne was actually born in, Winterset, Iowa. So that's the only claim to fame as far as that town. I didn't live there long. Um, my father was actually in the, in the hospital. Uh, he was a um, uh, director of surgery at a couple of different places. So through my childhood, we moved around a fair amount. I lived in Toledo for a while, Toledo, Ohio. I lived in uh, Port Huron, Michigan. And then about my sophomore year in high school, I arrived in Lansing, Michigan, and that's where I've been ever since. Um, so, you know, playing hockey growing up, I started playing hockey when I was about four years old. And so there was always kind of a part of, you know, 
being in sports and having sports, uh, you know, I, I always played sports and, you know, a, a lot of, I think a lot of what comes from the learning that you get from sports is teamwork and having to work together as a team, having disappointing team experiences and having good team, you know, team experience. There's all those kinds of things that I think you can really, you know, grow you as an individual. And um, so it's through those things, you know, that I, I started, you know, just constantly being parts of teams and playing team sports, um, you know, kind of what the, I guess the first kind of step my foot into this industry was I, I actually worked at the, uh, a Meyer, the, the pet and garden department. So that was loaded plants and loaded mulch bags and stuff like that. And then at about 18, I, I got a position, uh, you know, basically it's just labor at a landscape company. And, and that's really when it started. So about 1990, 94 was that, or yeah, 90, no, actually 92 was at Meyer. 95 was working for the landscape company and it's pretty much been that um, for the last 24 years. So you just basically took us right through the progression, which was perfect. Um, so just because usually I ask first jobs and stuff like that. So yeah. the, uh, you know, you, you said you started work for a landscaper. Did you work for that landscaper um, straight through until you ended up at Michigan state or no. <laughs> oh, <it's>, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> that company that I started for, I actually worked for three different times in my career. Okay. And so I started there as a young man, you know, not really knowing anything. <laughs> and yeah, I did learn quite a bit working with, I had a, I would say a very harsh foreman uh, when I first began. And uh, so there was a, a lot of trial by fire that I learned some things. And then I, I went to work with a friend of mine in another landscape company. And through circumstance, I ended up being a crew leader at about 19 years old. Now, this was back when the crew leader paid about nine bucks an hour. But, uh -huh. you know, that, at that time, I thought I was doing okay. And so I did that for uh, a number of years. And uh, I actually went to end up coming to a bigger company. And, um, you know, a lot of experience came through that. So in my different times, I mean, I had a, I had a foreman at the one company that he used to work for Brickman out of Chicago. He was a Michigan State grad in horticulture, and I learned a lot from him. Um, you know, and I had a, a fairly bad injury. I got my ankle crushed in a, a bobcat. And so he had uh, the, what was called, a, I guess it's called the Brickman Bible. And I kind of just read through it, you know, during the, when I was laid up with my ankle being injured. And so just kind of through all those years, um, you know, went back to the one company because of benefits. And, you know, it, we're kind of talking about like advice you could give to people maybe coming up and it's, so it's tough sometimes, you, 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 you know, I think I've made a series of lateral moves thinking that they're going to get me maybe to the next level. And, you know, there's a part of you that starts to worry about how, you know, like, have I made too many lateral moves, you know, because you kind of get the talk that, oh, yeah, it's going to be really good over here. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then you get there and you find out it's almost exactly the same. Um, so the, the, prop, the, the good part of that is, though, every place I went, I've always kind of focused on, on something different almost. So through that, I've kind of gotten, you know, a lot of experience in a bunch of different things. Not, I wouldn't say I'm anything, I'm like expertise, but I have, you know, I've done basically every, every aspect of the business throughout the years. Okay. So, so first, 
explain this Brickman Bible to me. You said you said you read it, and, 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 and like explain what this is because I've never heard anybody give me that expression before. So that I, it it was basically this big three ring binder, and it had in it how to plant a tree, how to how to install a brick patio, how to just anything you could think of. Almost like it was not. It, it was compiled over years. You know, it wasn't the same font. It wasn't like some of it was handwritten. Some of it was this and some of it was that. I don't know if it's something that he just had, that he made mm-hmm. or, or what it was, but it was something that, you know, like that winter I would just sit there. I would, I was answering the phones at a landscape company that didn't plow snow. So they were nice enough to give me a job to keep me moving. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I focused on reading that and, and learning through a lot of that. And then, you know, one time I worked for a company, I was, I was, you know, a landscape foreman. The next time I ran the maintenance division and I got into fertilization and weed control and, you know, just kind of did whatever I needed to do to, to help the company and, and, and help myself get a job. So, so when, when you were in, in the industry, just making all these lateral moves, as, as you say, yeah. what was, what was there anything, you know, you know, it's funny in the landscape industry because, you know, we always look and being an entrepreneur and trying to keep employees, the grass is always greener someplace else, you know, but it typically yeah. is like you said, the, the exact same thing. But what was kind of your reasoning to do, to do this? Like what were some things you noticed or why you would jump to somebody else and back, and laterally back and forth, you know? Well, it's just, you know, you know, benefits, obviously, when you're first, when you're first growing, you know, Benefits aren't real important when you're 18, 19, you're not really yeah. thinking about it. And then, you know, as you get older and have a family, you know, they become very important. And so it's, I guess it's kind of always wanting to give something else a try because, you know, it, it gets tough. Like a lot of times, I always say, like, it's if your name's not on the side of the truck, it's really hard to get to the top. You know, it, yeah. in a lot of industries, in a lot of the way it's it's been in the green industry. And there was a lot of other things too, where, you know, sales and, and kind of like, it, it gets a little cutthroat with competitors and dealing with some of those things. So it just kind of trying to find a spot where it feels comfortable. Um, and it wasn't until I got my current position that I ever, I really felt like, you know, I enjoy this. This is, this is exactly what I want to do and start, you know, being able to do the things that we can here. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's it's actually funny because it's it kind of shows like one of the things that for a guy like myself that's that makes the landscape industry hard is like when you brought up, you know, it's hard to be at the top if your name's not on the side of the truck. The the reason my current company is automated outdoor solutions is specifically I didn't want my name to be on the side of the truck because what I've found is when your name's on the side of the truck, it actually hinders scaling. You know, even look yeah. at Brickman, like you said, you used to work for Brickman, Chicago. Okay. Well, Brickman, you know, they changed to Brightview for a reason because every customer, you know, you get to a point where you're at the top, but then all the customers want to talk to the guy at the top or the people at the top, the family. Um, so I guess something I wanted to expand or elaborate on is, you know, it's one of the reasons I think the landscape industry is so, so competitive is because, uh, you know, it's it's a proud moment to put your name on the side of the truck, but it also makes you so hungry to get the work. Sometimes you do the work for practice. You know what I mean? Like you'll take it so the guy, the other name doesn't get it. Uh, and then that's where you start to run into scalability issues, you know, along yeah. with labor, you know. So, so 
what out of all the things you did then besides being here what was your most favorite you know did, did, did you enjoy doing the brick or the cutting or like you know explain? no you know actually they so a lot of a lot of the brick work we actually subcontracted so uh, okay. I, did, I did a lot of boulder walls that are still stated so i'm I, you know i'm pretty happy with those and proud of a lot of those turns out got a lot of arthritis to, to go along with it uh, uh-huh you know and there was just some some interesting landscape jobs i still remember the first tree i planted um you know, many years ago at 18 and, and there's, you know, there's, I could drive around anywhere in this area and see trees I planted and seeing the size of some of them now is, 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 is pretty cool. So I think it's just kind of having a little bit of a lasting impression, you know, on, on the outside, you know, in, in the community, I guess. No, it is. It's an amazing industry we're in because you can, you know, first it kind of puts into perspective how long you've been in the industry when, when you start going past some of these trees and you remember putting them in a two and a half or three inch caliper and they're, yep. you know, 15 inch. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're big, massive trees now and you're limbing them up or somebody's got to limb them up and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so no, it, it is, I, I actually was talking to somebody about that the other day is you, you start to know how long you've been in the industry when you start to notice the mature trees, you know, and uh, so yeah. that, that's cool. So education wise, you know, uh, I mean, so it's like, What's funny for me is you know this about me, but I didn't expect to be, you know, in the industry, right? I mean, I wanted to be a meteorologist and uh, ended up, you know, doing electrical and then kind of came back into the industry because I, I love it and I, I just, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. But did you know from the time you were working at Myers Outdoor Garden that you were going to be in this industry or how did you end up in this industry? No, not at, not at all. So in you know, that's kind of, you know, you didn't really, you just started planting plants or, you know, you, you load in plants. And so th- that was never part of it. Uh, you know, some of the landscape jobs that we got into uh, in my, the first place I worked at, you know, were pretty, pretty cool jobs and like you know, full, full house, like a brand new house and some of those things. So those were really cool. Um, but it really wasn't when I got, I probably came back to uh, another company. It's when I really started kind of opened my mind to like learning all about it because before I'd just been putting it in. And so, you know, I got my, my commercial pesticide applicators license. Um, and I was working at a, at a time it's called the, it was called the Michigan certified nurseryman. Um, and so that's where I really kind of started getting, I don't know, I guess passionate about, you know, different plants and trees and just seeing how they looked when they were mature, seeing how different things would, you know, how they could, dress up a landscape, all those kinds of things. So it was just, it was kind of over time. And, and it was always something that was kind of basically making me money. You know, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't getting rich, but, uh, you know, I was, I was paying the bills and that was about it. But, you know, when you, you start, you know, I, I, I thought about going back to school for fire science. I did that for a little bit. And, um, you know, I just kept coming back to doing the industry. And then, there's a point where I actually just really kind of fell in love with what I did and the results and, and, and putting the process in to make things better and, and the, you know, the problem solving you get to do it too. So how did you end up uh, becoming fortunate enough to be, uh, from, from my perspective, in, in, your, in your dream job over there at Michigan State, you know, like how, 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 explain how that opportunity presented itself for you. So that opportunity presented itself out of kind of a setback. Um, so I had, a, you know, I was, I started a snow division for a company uh, that never really had a snow division. 
And I was looking to go away for a Saturday with no snow expected. And I said, can I have a Saturday off? And it was not, it was not received very well that I was asking for that day off, you know, even though it was a weekend day um, and we had somebody to cover some of the routes we had. So um, I ended up taking the day off, uh, took a Saturday off and uh, they did have a, they had a little bit of an ice, not like an ice storm or anything, but they had to go out and check the walks real quick. Guy was in there for two hours. So when I got back, all of a sudden, uh, my job was to split wood for 30 hours a week in one of the coldest winters we ever had. So that's all I did all day was split wood. And uh, I think my wife found a Craigslist ad for Michigan State University between uh, an equipment operator. So uh, operator one temp. Um, so I applied for that position. It was, a, it was a labor position. I applied for that position and they said I didn't get the position. And then I, uh, but they said, we have another position we'd like to apply for. So I applied for the operator position. Um, I received that position and I worked in the site installation crew. So the, the landscaping, um, uh, hydro seeding and the bark blower and grading seeding. I worked for that for two years. And the, the first job that came available was a supervisor of one of the gardening crews. And that's where I'm at now. So that's interesting to me that, uh, one, one snow event. So, so, so I, I want to expand on that a little bit because people don't understand. I don't think people understand the snow industry enough and how stressful and basically how when you're in the snow industry, you have zero life. It's actually kind of one of my passions in automation is to, to blow up automation for land, like for cutting grass so that there's enough money in R and D to get equipment to de-ice and plow snow. So how many people worked in that division? I mean, you, you took off, you were gone for two hours. Was it you and just that guy? What, what, what no, was the I mean, reason they were so upset about it? You know, it, you know, it was, it was a transition period that the company ended up selling out uh, very quickly after that had been a, a longstanding family owned company in the area. The, the owner was getting out of business. There was kind of influx of who was taking over and some of those things. And it's just, um, you know, I believe I just rubbed the person the wrong way decided that it was a, it was a big deal that I was missing this one day though I'd never missed any days yeah and you know my wife and I just went to a you know stayed in a hotel overnight just to get some time together kind of thing and it was a big deal and that really upset me because you know it's not like I you know I, I wasn't asking for a vacation day I wasn't at, you know anything extravagant and it became a huge deal and you know literally 30 hours a week splitting wood uh, was, you know, it was kind of like, well, that's, you know, almost writing on the wall. Yeah. And uh, so it's just the, the snow, especially, you know, when I have my own company and you're doing, you're just constantly paying attention to that weather. You're constantly checking on the window. You're never sleeping correct. And there's so many things that changes in your life. And, you know, that's one of the other, you know, coming to Michigan state and how we handle things there. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like, it's like cake. It's so easy how we get through the snow because it's set up uh, really well for what we have to do and when we have to do it. And coming from the outside to this, where it's like uh, the first time I plowed actually at Michigan State, uh, I was just, you know, hurrying, trying to get through my whole route because we plow 400 miles of sidewalks. So I was on a sidewalk with a tractor, a Kubota tractor and a plow. And 
you know, I'm just trying to get through it. And I called the person that was, uh, it was her area that I was, I was pounding sidewalks for. And I was like, how am I doing? I, I feel like I'm, I'm behind and everybody says they're leaving at noon. And she's like, oh yeah, we'll just take care of it all on Monday. We've got everything open. There's plenty of walks for people to go from place to place. So we'll just come back and clean it all up on Monday. And it just blew my mind. You know, <laughs> like that's, you know, <laughs> Honestly, like, my mind just got blown. I almost had a mini stroke when, yeah. when, I, when I heard that, you know? And it, but, you, you know, think about sidewalks in, in a normal a city setting or even, you know, a lot of like a shopping mall or something like that. Oftentimes it's not 100% clear within, you know, 12 hours of a storm where we're 100% clear in probably 24 hours. Yeah. And so we could do that in phases where you, as long as we've got enough of the campus open, 80, 90% of the campus open, we'll just do the details when we come back the next day. And it was just, you know, you always knew when you were going to plow. It was, it was, like I said, it was, it was really coming from the outside to something like that. It was, it was unbelievable. You know, that yeah. it was just, there wasn't that, not that there's not pressure to make sure things are safe and everything's good, but the way we have it set up and, and we've improved upon it every single year, it's just, it's, it's just such a different experience. It's so much nicer. All the people we have that we hire from the outside and now we're there just like, you know, I can't believe this, you know, so it's, it's really fun. Yeah. So, so why do you think that you guys, what do you think changes, you know, being at Michigan state versus to the private sector, you know, is it, is it because Michigan state works with you guys? Cause they, you, you're really Michigan state employees versus, you know, I'm just kind of taking an assumption here in the private sector at the end of the day, you're a contractor working for somebody else and nobody really cares to, to just take full advantage of their contractor. Is that what you think it is or is your system or process that much better? You know? Well, I mean, like I said, it's improved year after year. You know, my manager, Matt Bailey got in there and with a lot of years of experience and, and we've just constantly made tweaks. I mean, you know, the whole campus is GPS. We know how big every section is. We have a piece of equipment for, every lane mile for every sidewalk, you know, mile for, for everything. And when you have that many people working on one goal, it doesn't take really that long to get it like hammered out. I mean, you know, typically if we were to start, so let's say we started at 3 a.m., which is rare. I think we only did that one time this last season. Um, you know, we're, we're setting pretty good at nine o'clock. So how many people do you guys have doing, you know, you said you have 400 miles of sidewalk, but how many lane miles, how many acres of parking lot? Uh, so I you know I'm very passionate about snow removal also. So, yeah, you know. I don't know the total numbers on all. I mean, I can get them, but, um, you know, typically we have about 60 people in there. Okay. Um, and so last year we had a little bit less, um, but we, you know, just because of COVID and everything. So, what we've been able to do in the past is we actually get to send our people to work for custodial, which is another, you know, it's, they make the same wage. They're still getting 40 hours a week when it snows, we call them up and say, Hey, we need you for snow. And so that's been a really good partnership. Again, something so much different than the, than the outside that you're on, you know, you're getting paid. You're not getting laid off. Yeah. And you know, the other thing of it is we have a, an ERT team, which is usually about 10 individuals. We take turns with that. So every three weeks we rotate and it's a different team. So, I mean, every week 
for three weeks, we rotate. And so you're on for a week and for that week you're going to stay after or maybe come on early, but the next week you're not. So it's knowing when you're actually hundred percent on call or there's none of that, you know, back in the day when you're working for somebody, it's like, Oh my God, are they going to call? Are they going to call? Are they going to call? Yeah. You know, and yeah. you can't sleep because you're worried if they're going to call. I, I know it's, it's one of the things that I'm always trying in the, in the private sector, always trying to figure out to make better, you know, for our people. And you just kind of realize like, you know, I can put, every call out system. And, you know, we'll, when we do a on call, we'll say like, you know, we're thinking sometime between two and 4 AM, mm -hmm. but get your sleep. We'll call you and it never fails. Two o'clock in the morning, somebody calls and wakes us up and says, Hey, did you forget to call me out? It's like, it's not snowing yet. You know, but it's like, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is, it's, it's, you know, the thing with our, with, with the industry and, and what I found is it's local market. You know, it's like in the Midwest, you know, I actually, Personally, when I whenever I drive into Michigan, I surprise at how the roads look because, like in the Chicago market, there is zero tolerance. I mean, I mean, literally, like it's kind of getting to the point where they don't even want it to accumulate. I mean, I have customers that are like, "How how do we keep the parking lot wet the entire time it's snowing?" And it's like, yeah. um, "Heat it, heat pavement, like, like <laughs> yeah. let's heat it," you know, yeah. um, you know. So, but with all the slip and fall liability. It's what puts the stress on the labor because because it just gets passed down and the end person doing it is is are the laborers doing the clearing and now you know they're coming up with all the the chloride initiatives to use less salt and it's going to put an even bigger strain on the labor uh, yeah. labor market because if you have to use less salt you have to scrape more and that's less time people can sleep and there's less and less people that want to be up in the middle of the night pushing yeah. snow. You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's it's funny because at Michigan, you know, on Michigan State, like we get comments all the time, and and it's it's one hundred percent true. As long as you can get on campus, you know, the roads are going to be fine. Yeah. You know, and that's what I mean. Our roads are always they're perfect. You know, and it's crazy how quickly our sidewalks are too. I mean, it's you know, we're we're talking, you know, we've got a couple inches, two three inches of snow cleared in. in very little time yeah. with how we've got it all mapped out and figured out and, you know, working on different team-based strategies this year, which worked out really well with having less people, uh, you know, and hiring has been crazy this year too. It's just, we got some really good people in, but it was just, man, we had, uh, it was a very limited pool of people applying, you know, so it really made it things tough, but so we're, we're you know, we're moving forward. We're actually gaining some people. Um, so that's been, that's been kind of nice too. kind of excited to get back to a little bit more normal as far as staffing level. Cause last year we were pretty much skeleton. Now, and your staffing issue was because of COVID or was it because of budget cuts because of COVID? It was, yeah, it was budget cuts because of COVID. Um, you know, there were some things like where, you know, we would send our, our, cause so we're a union environment. So we have uh, labor one temporary employees, which is basically a full-time employee, 40 hours a week. Um, where we would send us custodial, custodial didn't need them because there was no students in the dorms. So yeah, then it's just the snowball of that. And uh, so you kind of figure out your staffing levels pretty quickly. Um, you know, now we're starting to say it really looks like, even though we're having a, you know, a surge or whatever right now, it really looks like we're kind of getting back to, to some set of normalcy. Um, expecting, you know, 75% of the students back on campus next year in the fall. And then you know, getting ready for that. We actually have a really big, uh, uh, it's called Malagma. It's a uh, 
conference that goes on between all the schools in the Big Ten. So we've actually been, we were supposed to host it last year and then we postponed it this year. And now I think we just recently postponed it to next year. So all the other schools are giving us, you know, giving us a bunch of crap because we've got two years prepared to have everybody walking around on campus, you know? So, 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 so what does that do? What, what's it for? So they started this conference in like 1974. They actually used to meet in O'Hare airport and it was all the grounds supervisors from all the big 10 schools. And it evolved into uh, like a two, three day, like walking bus tour around all the campuses. So um, the first year I got to go to Penn State, which is an unbelievable campus. They do a really good job out there. Uh, we've got to go to Minnesota. That was really cool in an urban setting. Uh, and then we, we went to Indiana, which was, you know, so we've got to see a lot of stuff. So it's all these people from all these other schools and they go and they tour the whole university. And, you know, you show them the good, the bad and the ugly kind of thing. Just talking about the things you're dealing with and, and trying to, you know, you're working together to solve problems, which, again, is so much different than the outside, because if somebody figures something out, they're not telling anybody. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah, that's their little niche. So that's been well, it's been really fun learning from other people and then them learning from us, too. Well, I really got to make sure we've got we've got a lot of robots set up by the time you guys have those people touring, because yeah. uh, that sounds like like a pretty big deal. And uh yeah, it's pretty exciting, you know. So, and, and and you are right. It's one of the things I'm trying to change in the industry, and that's what makes the automation industry so cool. Is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what are you hiding? You know, it's like a unit does an acre and a quarter, a unit does five acres. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people think it's kind of crazy that I do the podcast and I share with people, but I, it's with automation, I'd almost rather share so everybody does it right, so that yeah. It, it does help the industry, you know, because, um, I mean, do you guys find, I mean, we've been, we've kind of been down the rabbit hole of snow removal, but do you think it's easier to find snow removal people or people to cut the grass for you at this point? Or is it about the same, you know, elaborate on that, you know? So it basically, it's definitely easier to find people to work in the summer. You know, basically you're, you're working on an arboretum, you know, yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. got, you know, so it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing work environment just in scenery alone as you're, you know, you go through the day to day, you've got Sparty right here and you've got the Spartan stadium and you're working around all these iconic places. So it's definitely easier to find people to work in, in that season. And then the budget, you know, structure, you know, we keep people, you know, our core group of full-time employees, they stay on, they're there 40 hours a week, every single week. There's another oddity too. You, get, you want to take a vacation around Christmas? No problem. You know, you take, yeah. you can take a week at Christmas. You can take a week at New Year's. Yep. As long as you got the time, you can take it. You know, yeah. it's, it's insane, you know, in our, in our yeah, industry. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you're going to laugh. I, I might have to start to redirect this conversation because a lot of my employees listen to this and I, I don't want to lose them in Michigan State. Oh, you know? oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should have well, signed some sort of an agreement beforehand that, uh, you, yeah, you know, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure our Instagram post page doesn't have some jobless people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you settled it Okay, so so it's so. Yeah, I, I mean, shit. If I ever get bought out, maybe I'll come and come and work at Michigan State. So the um, so you know you you've obviously been in the industry for a long time. You know what are and, and we both mutually I believe we love the industry. Um, what are some of the things you dislike about the industry besides besides when you're doing snow and not being able to leave on a Saturday yeah. to go spend time with your wife you know you know 
it does become a lot, like I said, it is pretty, I, I guess I'd, I'd use the term cutthroat as far as, you know, it, it's disappointing when you have like a customer interaction where, you know, you'll bid a job and you bid a job when, when you know what you need to make on a job because you know how much this costs and that costs and you know where your dollar rate should be. And you bid a job knowing that I'm not, you know, making a giant profit on this, but I'm definitely covering costs and I'm making a little bit, which is where we need to be. Yeah. And, you know, the, the customer will say something like, well, the guy that did it last year did it way cheaper. And it's like, well, where is he? Yeah. You know, he's completely out of business and we know he's out of business, but it's like the bar just keeps getting dropped down because of that. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and I think it's definitely increasing. I mean, I, I've, I believe for a long time that we're, we're skilled labor. We're no different than, you know, a plumber, an electrician. We don't have landscapers don't really have that. Um, you know, we don't have that trade status yet. And I think that's really where we need to push because when that happens, the, the, that's what's happened in all those industries. You know how much you have to pay a plumber an hour. You know how much you have to pay an electrician an hour. Yep. And I think landscape really needs to get there because we have to do so much, you know, and, and maybe we don't have some of the inherent danger of like maybe an electrician has with, you know, working with power, but that doesn't mean we don't have inherent danger with working with machines and using them properly. Uh, you know, plumbing, we work with irrigation and things like that. So it's, it, it's very similar. Um, and so I think the professionalism, this, it's not, you know, obviously it's not everybody, but there's, there are some people that are definitely out there just, you know, doing it for something to do. And that's fine, but they kind of hurt the industry a little bit. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, no, that, listen, let's, let's, let's not sugarcoat it. They hurt the industry a lot. There, there's a couple things I want to unwrap first, the, getting seen as skilled labor. And secondly, uh, don't let me forget, I, I kind of want to talk about how you crushed your crushed your leg uh, okay. in, in the Bobcat, right? But so, so let, let's start with the skilled labor thing. So I work I work for a builder and, and I'll tell you, I'm gonna share a story with you that was just, it's a pet peeve of mine. So, you know, because we're in so heavy in snow removal at Langton and I have all these skid steers and front end loaders and backhoes, you know, we can do things that other landscapers can't do because I have all the stuff to push snow with, you know? So I can't tell you how many builders I've worked for and they get let down by their excavator and then they'll call and they're like, Hey, can you give me a price? I, you know, I need this dirt moved off this lot so we can do this or whatever. Okay. And we do it and I'll charge them 150 bucks an hour and they'll call me and they'll go, Hey, I, I think there must be something wrong. That's, that's what my excavator charges me. And I go, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I did the same thing your excavator does. Well, yeah, but you're unskilled labor. Yeah. Dude, I mean, nothing pisses me off more. I mean, not only not only do we have the same equipment they have, but we actually were able to fix the problem. You know, yeah. there, there there has to be a, a, a value in problem fixing, you know, not, not even problem solving. Like their problem was there's dirt on my on our lot. We need it off. We fixed the problem. I should have double charged them because I could actually allocate the equipment for them. I, I, I never understand it. Um, and I think the reason it happens is there's not enough people like you and I that are willing to just be upset about it or say like, yeah. this, is, this is ridiculous. There's, there's so many people that are just like, that'll actually apparently, because this has to be, this is the only thing I think of, that would say, oh, okay, well, I get it. Well, what do you think I'm worth? Okay, pay me that then. It, yeah. it's, it's about getting people to understand their worth, mm -hmm. you know? 
because, because yeah, it's the same work, you know, and then, you know, and then, and then look at you, you know, when you look at the risks. So it's like, you know, explain how you crushed your leg in that bobcat. You know? So with, it was a long time ago, uh, but I think I was 19, probably 19 years old. And uh, we were moving uh, potted plants around in a nursery in the wintertime, getting it set up to do a, a Christmas tree operation. And uh, I needed a knife or something. And the guy that, that was in operating, it had it. And so I stepped up on top of the, I was up on the bars, you know, the, the foot bar, and he was handing me something. And when he went, he accidentally pressed the, the, um, the boom to come down. Bobcats used to have a plate like between the load arm and that, but this was, there wasn't much room before that. Now it's like tubes. Um, so basically my ankle got uh, crushed into itself. I was held by like what the 3000 pounds of pressure just by like basically the, the, my ankle being pinched by the machine. So that, I mean, it, it, yeah, basically compacted my calcaneus bone, which is your heel bone. And then, you know, I had a lot of atrophy from uh, my Achilles tendon shortening up and, and all kinds of things came from it. So not good. I feel it every time the weather changes now, I can feel it in my left heel. So. So, so that's, that's, I mean, that's a terrible story. So the, uh, so like, what did they do to rebuild it then? I mean, nothing. Had, it's just, okay, it's crushed. It is what it is. Yes. Heel, and that's it. Yes, so I just I thought maybe had like some bionic ankle or something, you know. No, no, no. So no, not nothing really happens with that one. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so, you know, are there some like I always like to talk about some mentors, you know? So do you have any any people looking back on? I mean, you obviously worked for different companies, had different experiences. Do you have any great mentors that that you kind of had? Yeah. You know, there was a guy, uh, Tim Holbert, that I worked for, um, you know, back in the day, and he was kind of the, you know, behind the, the Brickman Bible there, and um, just, he, he had a horticulture degree from Michigan State, uh, he also spoke uh, fluent Spanish, you know, so that helped with some of the workers that we had from time to time, and, um, you know, I learned quite a bit from him, you know, and it was one of those things, looking back, you didn't really realize how much you learned from him. Um, and you didn't always like the way you were taught, but you were definitely learning things. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I really got into, you know, I learned quite a bit of the chemical side of thing as far as, you know, weed control and some of the things you can do with some of these products. Um, you know, there's a guy that works for, that I, I constantly call, uh, um, Mark McCoy from Harold's and, uh, it, he's just a wealth of knowledge for me. And, 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 you know, so it's just people like that that are excited about the industry and solving problems kind of thing that's yeah. really set it apart. Um, and my current manager at Michigan State University is very, very knowledgeable and just kind of energetic and, you know, excited about things. So that, that helps too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you said you were in business for yourself for a little while, right? Yeah. All right. So how long was that and, and what caused you to change, to change that, that, uh, path? So it's 2008 during the recession. Oh, so yeah, um, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So the first year I had as much mowing, uh, actually the company that I left and then I started my own business gave me all of the mowing. So I had all their mowing maintenance. So I had as much mowing maintenance as I wanted. And then I had some, some, uh, landscape jobs I was doing as well. So it's pretty funny how the world goes. It's actually, Four houses down for me now from where I live now is one of the landscape jobs I did when I had my own company. 
Uh, so it was still there. <laughs> it was yeah. back to your boulder wall by a pool. And, you know, it just, it, it, it came that thing. And you said it, you mentioned earlier, where if you're not the person there doing it, like if Josh isn't there taking care of the lawn or Josh isn't there putting the mulch in, customer's always upset. I could come there and do the same exact work as, as the people that worked, you know, for me. And there'd be no problem at all. But then, you know, like if somebody, oh, that I don't like the way that this was done or that was done. And like every single time, and it's just, there was no, and I didn't have the business acumen to figure out how to get off the machine and sell more jobs. And it just kind of, you know, it was dawn to dusk every single night, you know, uh, and it just wasn't working. So I basically had uh, actually met somebody that used to work for me in another company and they started a lawn division and we kind of merged almost together. And we had a, a pretty big corporate contract that, that uh, helped us expand a lot. And we did that for a number of years until that kind of fell by the wayside too. So it's like it's boomer bust. It always seems, you know, you get that one big contract and you're rolling really well, that goes away. And it's like, oh, how do we fill a, How do we fill the hole? You know? Yeah. So you would think I trapped you into this, but you just kind of stepped right into it. So it's awesome. So, so it, wh- why do you think that cus- that company was so willing to give you all of their mowing? Well, mowing's almost, so mowing, you can think about mowing in a couple of different ways. Like mowing's a loss leader. So you can go in there and you can make, uh, you know, yeah, we might not be making a ton of money, but we're gonna we're gonna do the mulch, we're gonna do the installs, we're gonna do all those other things. Uh, and or more, it can be like a, a, you could actually have it be profitable. Um, so when I took over that mowing division, when I worked for that company, I think we were operating at a thirty three percent loss, and in the first year we were at a ten percent profit. So it, it kind of like we turned it. You can make it profitable if you're routed correctly, if you're doing the right spots, uh, and if you're charging enough. Yeah. You know, yeah, but mowing can also be an absolute headache. Yeah, you know, you can make tons of money doing sidewalks. Probably more money than plowing if you were just a single contractor or a guy on your own. Yeah, um, but people always, nobody wants to do sidewalks because nobody wants to do sidewalks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. mowing, you know, it can cause it can it can be it can be that loss leader. It can get you some of those other jobs. It can be profitable if it's done right, or it could be a constant headache where you're ticking off an empl- a customer every single week just because you're never going to meet their expectations. Yes. And then they give you a bad review and, you know, it's just, it's tough. Uh, but there's an art to it and there's a science to it. And there's, you know, there's definitely, you know, skill and talent in, in doing it. It's just now it's, 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 it's tough, you know, because it, it can also bring a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, my... Obviously, everybody that listens to the podcast knows why I'm so passionate about robotics. And, and literally, the, the, you know, what you just said is why I'm so passionate about it. You know, because what, what I've always found is, yes, big companies lose money on mowing. Some are 3%, some make 3%, and some lose 30, 33%, as you just said. Mm-hmm. But the smaller contractors, typically all the ones that have their name on the door, and it's them and a few people, you know, if you ask them, they're pulling a profit until they start to try to scale and then they fall into the same trap. You know, yep. the equipment's expensive. Uh, the guys or the girls take longer lunches than you think. And it doesn't take much to, to take a 10% profit 
and turn it into a 10% loss. And there's, there's not a lot of leeway there, you know, for mismanagement. So I know, of course, why I'm using robotics in the private sector, but, you know, obviously when we met, you got the Swazi, you, you know, you have uh, the left hand. What is it that interests campuses like, like Michigan State um, to get you guys interested in learning and, and experimenting with robotics? So, you know, a big thing is students and, and driving that to make sure you're kind of always, uh, you know, I guess relevant, you know, because you can't always do something the same way um, and expect, you know, that it's not going to, you, you can let the, like, you can let things pass you by and there's going to be different things out there. Um, you know, there's definitely, what first kind of started the lean towards it was um, at one of these conferences at Malagma concert, we just, we kind of started hearing about all these other campuses and how they were saying, you know, like, yeah, we can't, we can't run on these days because of uh, ozone days or, you know, we have to use electric because we can't make noise. And it's just kind of like, we never, you know, we really never had never had an issue, um, you know, because we don't use any gas equipment before 9 a.m. around any of residentials and, and so things like that. But it just started thinking, you know, we better start doing something now before we're told we have to do something. So we've got to go through the trial and error of finding an equipment or, or something that works for us that we can still get things done in a relatively, you know, efficient time frame, but still being, you know, innovation and being innovative is, is taking risks, you know, and you just kind of got to take a risk, try to learn from that risk. If, like if it was a mistake or if it was a success and just keep on building upon that. You can't just decide, oh, we're going, we're going all the way back. We're just doing everything, you know, the way we used to 20 years ago. You've got to keep moving forward. And because there is so much innovation, there, there's so many things out there. Like it's, it's amazing the things that just for the lawn, you know, the lawn industry and landscape industry that just keeps on getting, you know, obviously there's a thirst for, for having that stuff out there. And with, you know, the, the current issues with, uh, you know, labor and finding people to work for you, it's, it's very interesting to think that we can have this maintained in this way. It's very interesting for people walking by and seeing it in a learning environment. Um, you know, with our left-hand robot, we got engineering students involved um, and they worked for it with a, for a semester and did a presentation on it, um, just trying to figure out new ways to make it work. That was kind of before it was even really a mower. Um, but then, then, then we got the mow deck for it and they started working with that. So, you know, we found out a lot of things like, you know, like that mower, for instance, you couldn't really run it on a dry field because the dust would cloud up the cameras and it wouldn't function correctly, you know? So we found out we could really only run on it irrigated without any big issues. Uh -huh. So there was, a, you know, but that was something that they came about with and they figured out. And that's the kind of thing is just having that partnership with, you know, with the people. The reason we're there is the students are there. There's, there's no other reason. And yeah. so having that involvement with them and, and keeping things, relevant as far as, you know, phones and apps and all the things going on, just seeing how much that kind of, just that simple learning uh, of everybody knows how to use a smartphone, but now we can use it to, to see how a lawn's being maintained, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's really putting it in a real world and, and having it in their hands that they can do these things. And, and this is how it's only going to escalate. So figuring out what we need before we're told we have to do it is a much easier process when you get into like having to do a full scale change. Yeah. So how, how many years have you guys been doing automation now at, auto, at, at uh, Michigan State? Not many. Uh, no. So we got the, 
We got the left hand. We tried an echo. We had an echo demo for a while. Um, and then we brought the Husqvarna's in last year, two years, two years ago, two years ago. So yeah. very, very early on. So what's been, you know, tell me some success stories and tell me some fail stories. I mean, you, you told me the kind of failure story with left hand and I mean, that doesn't make a difference anymore because Toro bought them out and they, yep. they're, that unit's retired, uh, which I think for you, probably happy for me. I'm a little chapped about it still, I, you know, just yeah. seeing how it's working out, but the, uh, but, but, but then, um, you know, some of these other units, you said you had the echo unit, you make it sound like past tense. So what kept you from keeping the echo unit? You know, so I, I think it was just a demo. And then, okay. you know, we, we had it, we tried it out in a couple different areas and it didn't really kind of work for, you know, what we had. It was a good experiment in the demo, just knowing though that like, you know, we had it in a, res a student residential area and, and never got messed with, you know, it always went out there and did its job. But, you know, there's some of the, you know, some of the hard parts with it now is, you know, we obviously we've got employees and, and budgets and all these other things to pay attention to. And, you know, the, the installs of some of the ones we currently have, uh, even on Husqvarna's, either they maybe they weren't done correctly or, or whatever, but it's kind of like, Oh, you know, you find out like, Hey, that thing's not running, you know? And so now it's all of a sudden I'm managing this robot that I don't necessarily have all the knowledge on. So that, you know, that definitely makes it difficult. But on the other end, you know, uh, with the left hand, there's, there's one field, you actually walk the one field, the Dem Hall field there. It's right by the Sparty statue on, on campus. When that thing was mowing there, the left hand robot was mowing, people would stop to take pictures of it constantly. Anytime I was there setting a program or getting going, people would talk to me about it. And, you know, it's kind of like you can see the excitement level yeah. in, in that setting uh, of people getting into. So I'm excited to see some mowers at Stripe. Um, that would be the next big thing for me because I, I don't really like the way they look like a Roomba. Um, so I haven't seen that full effect of the carpet effect yet. And that's what I'd really like to see, you know, as yeah. far as let's see it get to that point and then see it, if I like it more kind of thing. All right. So in full disclosure, I've got to say here, I didn't install your first Husqvarna. So no, I don't want anybody to podcast be like, no, what? Joe installed one of these. It wasn't us, wasn't AOS. <laughs> and, uh, no. and uh, secondly, you know, you, yeah, I mean, you're not going to experience that like carpet look unless it's installed properly and it's going out every day and it's cutting all the time, you know, it's like, uh, you know, honestly, some days, you know, what, if there were no travel restrictions, I would tell you, you need to come here and look at all the units we have around here installed properly. I mean, right now I can tell you for the next month, I don't hardly even have to try to sell a robot lawnmower because people see our sign that we maintain a site and we've got the best looking grass in Northern Illinois and people will just call and say, I, However you achieve that, I want that same uh, scenario, yeah. but, but they have to go out every day. I mean, the worst thing for, uh, as you said, the, the Roomba style uh, lawnmower is when they go out every day, you don't notice the random mowing. Yeah. When they don't go out every day and you start to mow, it kind of looks like somebody had a few too many cocktails and there's little eight and a half inch cut pads and, and then you really realize, wow, that's only an eight and a half inch cutting disc. You know, it's like those yeah. are when you actually realize what they are. So, you know, hopefully uh, as, the, as our relationship uh, evolves, I can prove, prove these things out to Michigan State. But um, so, so do you see, I mean, you know, looking back, 
you know, you, are you going to get, you wouldn't, sounds to me like you're totally happy, but is there any advice you'd give yourself, you know, the 20 year old younger you, you know, uh, knowing where the industry's taken you so far, you know? Yeah. I mean, just trying to learn everything you can, you know, like a lot of times, you know, like even when you did like a, a you know, plan install, like when you're going over, you know, a lot of the plans we did were in Latin and just putting that together quicker, like understanding how important it would have been just to learn that that bit of Latin and, and the genus of species would help, you know, help moving forward in the next part. Um, when you're putting in multiple plants and multiple numbers, it, it, you know, changes that sometimes. And, you know, being, being more patient, you know, definitely being more patient. Like I said, I worked for the same company three times, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, so if I, if I would have stayed, you know, where would that have been? Yeah. But ultimately, that's the company that made me split wood. <laughs> so oh, I, so you know, you didn't, I didn't realize that that was that same company. Yeah. yeah. So that was the third time I came back to them. And, uh, you know. So, yeah. so I, I, I got to tell you something about the split in the wood thing. And I got to say this because so we have people split wood in the winter. But it's not because we dislike them. It's because we're just trying to find them hours, you know, find yeah. something here, you know. Now, I, I do definitely think your situation was different, but I, I had to say that verbally because I don't want anybody to listen to this be like, oh, Joe thought I was an asshole too. <laughs> That's why well, split wood, you know. So we, 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 They didn't sell the wood they split. But they so we, it's just the, the owners would use it. Oh. So, it, yeah. So, but like, you know, it was, you know, like I said, it just, it's kind of at that point where I realized I, I could do more than this. Yes, I get it. I totally get and, it. And, you know, when I came to Michigan State and I got this job and it's like, you know, it's like, holy crap, am I going to be good enough? You know, am I going to know enough? I'm going to be able to. And then you find out that that all of your years of some of them toiling and some of them being successful really paid off to where you get to, you know, you can get into a spot where you really you feel appreciated and, you know, you get to see your work you know, every single day, that part of it's changed too. You're not going house to house, neighborhood to neighborhood. You're, you're always going to the same spot, you yeah. know? So it's a part annoys you. It's like, yeah, hey, we got to clean this. We got to fix this. You know, we got to do this. And then it's just over time, you just start seeing where you've made repairs and you made improvements and you made, you know, a really good impact on the place that you're taking care of. So, so does Michigan state like have like, I mean, I mean, it sounds like you're really happy with, with your experience there. And, you know, are there certain like core values that they have like for your department? Like, I mean, oh, yeah. okay. Can you share some yeah. of that? So a, a lot of the, it's very heavy with, I mean, it's, I don't know our mission vision statement. It's very long. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, um, but our, our, at the core, it's people, partnerships and stewardship. So it's about having a relationship with the people that like, you know, everybody we see is our customer. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who, who we see, they're our customer. Students are our customer. The people that are just walking on the campus are our customer. You know, the faculty's our customer. Everybody's our customer. And then the partnerships we can have with student groups, you know, they're the reason we're there. You know, they pay tuition to go to learn, you know, whatever they're gonna go into school for. And we're just trying to provide the best environment for them to, to study and, and have a great college experience. And then stewardship is taking care of the money as far as, you know, it's, it's a state, you know, we do get funding from the state. We do get money from obviously from the, the, the people attending um, and there's money involved in grants and things like that. And just making sure that we're, you know, 
take being really good stewards of the money and making sure it's being spent properly and not wasting those things. So that's kind of, uh, you know, that. The other part of it is they're really, really engaged on having people be T-shaped employees. And that's something you can Google and look up. And it's basically, so like the base of the T is your, what you come to the table with, right? And then the top of the T is everything else. It's like global understanding, it's empathy, it's creative innovation, it's collaborative communication, it's all those other things that you can just start improving upon yourself um, and then just make you a little bit more dynamic, you know, a little bit more, you know, um, successful and probably, you know, a lot happier once you get through those things. So it's definitely coming from the land of, you know, being a landscaper and stuff. It's like, you know, what? You know, just trying yeah. to figure it out. But then once you start really getting into it and seeing, you, you kind of, it really builds on yourself a sense of self-worth, you know? Like, whereas before you've just hoped you were the guy that ran the zero turn, <laughs> you know, now now you're, you're in this, you know, you're, you're in one of these, you know, this unbelievable campus and you're getting to, you know, getting to take care of it and, and meet people and, 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 you know, help people. I had a student that worked for me. We worked together on the site crew. He was a student employee that worked for me. And then uh, he worked for me a couple of years when I was a supervisor. And so now he went back to school and then he's got, uh, he's uh, wants to become a golf course superintendent. And he called me the other day and, you know, we just, we probably talked for about a half an hour and he was asking me questions about different stuff. And it's like, just being to share that back with him and help him in his next step and, and all those things has been, you know, it's, it's been really cool that you get to, you get to build people up. You get to try to help people get to that next level. Well, you're mentoring them. Not, yeah. not, you know, one day, one day they'll be listing you as their mentor. And that's, that's actually pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So is, is, is that the person you actually sent his contact over? The yeah. 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 Jerry. Yeah. 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 He, we we got to reach out. He hasn't, he hasn't uh, responded back yet, but uh, I think he's been pretty busy. At no, no, I, I assume this is the season, you know? So, yeah. um, all right, so here, this is the big one. And, and I, now I'm going to tell, I got to tell the audience. Typically, my people, they get, uh, they, they know the, some of the questions we're going to ask in advance, but somehow or another, Josh did not get them. So quite frankly, I have to say first, these are some of the first times Josh has heard any of these questions. So he's doing a great job, but this one stumps people even when they know it. So don't judge. So I typically ask uh, what you want your legacy to be. It, you know, in life or at Michigan State or whatever, you know, like, 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 what do you want people to remember you for um, there? So my legacy at Michigan State, I really want to improve the turf and the condition of the turf. Um, you know, so that's, that's one part of it. Um, you know, being a big city, basically, you've got everybody walking over and driving over it. And, you know, we've got steam tunnels, we've got all these other things. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is, is getting the turf to, you know, the greatest level we can with all those challenges. Um, and, you know, I guess I really want, you know, you know, the legacy of just knowing or at least finding being able to look inside yourself and say, you can do more, you know, and if you get the right people in the right position, you can, you know, you can achieve things that you maybe you didn't think were possible before. And, you know, if you're stuck in a rut and if you're working, you know, if you hate going into work every day, you know, you're not in the right spot. Either you're not in the right industry, you're not in the right company. And, 
it's it's not being afraid to take those chances and, and to, to you know to jump every now and then um, can really get you you know really get you in the kind of spot that I, that I ended up in. That was inspirational. You did great with that. See, you didn't even know it was coming, and you knew it right away. Now that, that's awesome. So, you know, I, I wish you said your legacy was going to be to uh, you know get automation at Michigan state. I, you know, that was that's awesome. part of getting the turf, right? Right. <laughs> but, but we'll, we'll work on that part together. So, uh, yeah. so, and then the other thing is, um, it, you know, people listen to the podcast and there's, there, there's always a song that ties to, uh, to the guests. So, you know, right now, as, as, as we speak, what's a song that, that you like that, that uh, kind of gets you going. If you were sitting if you were if you were plowing 400 miles of sidewalk, what what no. would you put on those headphones right now? You know, I'd I'd probably go back old school, old school metal. Maybe some Pantera. Uh, yeah, a Pantera. new level. What's yeah, a, a new a new level. All right, there yeah. you go. So so Chris, my podcast producer, now you just heard it. That's uh, that's Josh's song. So uh, so there you go. There you have it. So all right, well Josh, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy. It was truly an honor to get you on the show. Um, I, I've been to the campus. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, and for what it's worth, I am over the moon happy about uh, the relationship that we've been able to develop. Um, so glad Stefan called you about that line striper. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that, so that we could actually start talking. And uh, honestly, I look forward to our future. So, yeah, no, I, we actually, we just talked about it today. Some of the stuff that we've been, we've been thinking about working on and, and how we get that to the next level. So we're, you know, it's been up the ladder a little bit and everybody's really excited about what we can, you know, what we might be able to do. So awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. We're going to be talking soon and, uh, you know, get me maybe included in that tour, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, we got, we got a year to go. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. we're excited about that. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on. This was, this was a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I, I'm sure the listeners will also. And uh, have a great day. You too. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to invite you to check out automatingsuccessshow.com where you can watch each episode's best business automation and growth strategies and download Joe's 11 keys to automating your business for maximum growth. Please follow us on Instagram at Automating Success Show for more helpful automating business tips, tricks, and silly memes on maximizing growth and productivity. If you felt any benefit from this show, please let us know by leaving an iTunes review, sharing this episode on social media, and emailing a link to anyone you think would also find benefit. I know that I'm on.